0: Effective living with Reverend Henry Hubert. May you be blessed as you listen. Now, the message. Today, I'm continuing my teaching on principles of Bible interpretation. Amen. Principles of Bible interpretation. I'm continuing from last week. What is interpretation? Interpretation, uh, according to what we are studying here, means... Determining the actual meaning of any text of scripture as intended by the original writer to his audience. Determining the actual meaning of a text. Everybody say actual meaning. Yeah, so in Bible interpretation, you want to find out what did the original writer actually intended for the original audience. The people that the book was being written to, or the people that the statement was being made to. What did the original writer or speaker? Why do we say the original writer or speaker? Because they were the ones inspired. So if you are reading Genesis or Exodus, the person who wrote is Moses. And he was the one inspired. It was not another man of God somewhere who was inspired to write Genesis. Forget about what anybody else meant by that text. Interpretation means that when it is Genesis, what did Moses mean by what he wrote? Because he was the one inspired. Amen. Amen. And I said last Sunday that interpretation is only one. That every text has only one interpretation, but different applications. So you can take one text, interpret it properly, then you can apply it in different areas of your life. You can take one text and apply it to your business, your finances, your marriage, every area of your life. But the interpretation is one. Amen. Amen. Now, the second thing that we see here is that um, interpretation is not done in an isolated way. Interpretation is not a private thing. It's not an isolated work. What it means is that nobody can get up and say, "Ask for me, this is what I understand by the scripture and that is it. No. Whatever interpretation you give a scripture must agree with what everybody who has sound knowledge of scripture understands by. Whatever interpretation you give a scripture must agree with what the original writer intended when he wrote it. Amen. So interpretation is not to be done in an isolated manner. Second Peter 1.20 says that, no prophecy of scripture is of private interpretation. But holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So, so the holy men, the people who wrote the Bible, the Bible said they were holy. Two, they were inspired. So verse 21 says, the holy men wrote as they were moved by the Spirit. So when you want to interpret scripture, you want to tell us what did the original writer Actually meant by what he said or what he wrote. Amen. Amen. Now, there are principles that govern Bible interpretation. So when the Bible says, the Holy Spirit will open your understanding. The Holy Spirit will uh, give you insight. Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, that, um, verse 18, 19, that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. When the Holy Spirit is opening your understanding, he does that through specific principles. Amen. Why? So that interpretation of every text will be one. If the Holy Spirit is really the one giving you understanding to a text, the meaning he gives you should be the same as the meaning he gives me if I read the same text. So, Right now, like I said last Sunday, if everybody here has a different meaning to every statement I make, there will be confusion here. And God is not a confusionist. Amen? So the Holy Spirit works through specific principles to bring interpretation to us. And Peter said that, in 2 Peter 3 verse 14, he said that, from verse 15, he said that, Verse 15, he said, and consider that the long suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, he was referring to Apostle Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles. An epistle is the letters that are written by the apostles to the churches, inspired letters, actually. An epistle is an inspired letter. Written. So if you take your pen and paper and you write a letter to another church, it's not the same as the one Paul wrote, because Paul wrote under inspiration. Amen? Amen. All right. So as Paul also wrote in all his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to understand, which unthoughts and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do also the rest of the scriptures. So Peter... Um, last time I was saying that if you study the books written by Peter, you see that Peter was very particular to how scripture is handled. It was Peter who said, desire the sincere milk of the way that you may grow. And you read the book of 1 Peter, Second. you see that Peter was always particular about the place of the scripture in the life of a believer. Maybe because he was the one who was the head of the church. He was the one that Jesus put in charge of the church. And so he wrote a lot of things. Now, Interestingly, Peter did not write about himself in this scripture. He wrote about Paul. The Apostle Paul wrote a lot of epistles to a lot of the churches, and they are all inspired. But he said the problem is that many people who are untaught and unstable, in other words, they are not learned in the matters of scripture interpretation, the Bible knowledge their level knowledge of knowledge of Scripture is so shallow. So the effect is that they twist the Scriptures. They misinterpret it. They manipulate it. When you say somebody misinterpret Scripture, it means that the person gave a Scripture the wrong meaning. And I'm going to give you examples today. Amen? The person gave the Scripture the wrong meaning. That is misinterpretation. Manipulation of Scripture also means that you make the Scripture say what you want. You see, Everything you want to say or do, you can find a scripture for it. Amen. So manipulation means you have already decided what you want to do. For instance, you want to commit adultery. You have already decided. So you are looking for a scripture to say what you want to say that adultery is not wrong. You see? So you get people like Solomon to support you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) <laughs> you get Solomon to support you. After all, he was a very wise man. <laughs> Amen? Amen? Then Peter said, the problem in the church is that untaught and unstable people, they twist the scripture, but when people do that, the net effect is that they themselves get destroyed. He said, they twist it to their own destruction as they do also the rest of the of the scriptures. So this year, my prayer and my strong desire is that we're going to stay with this subject until every member of the church can be able to conveniently critique any text that somebody is playing with and messing around with. That when you hear preachings on radio on TV or anywhere or even in this church, whether it's myself or another pastor or another zealous brother, You know, who comes and says, I've got a revelation, you know, and, and then he begins to say some weird things. You need to be able, as a child of God, to know that this one is wrong. Amen. So, what does that scripture tell us? It tells us that we need to be taught how to interpret scriptures properly. Is that correct? Yeah, we need to be taught. And we need to continue to learn it. Amen. It's a continuing practice. When i finish teaching this, I'll let you know that it is not everything in the word of God that I know now. I'm still learning a lot of things. Why? Because the Bible is God's book. And written by God. And he put his mind there. You can never know everything. But you must know a lot. And you must know enough to make you successful and keep taking you forward. Amen and everything new that you learn, you must subject it to proper scrutiny, to to tell yourself that this thing is biblical. Anywhere you go, they take scripture and give it to you, that this is in the Bible. Go and do it at home. You should be able to take that scripture they gave you and subject it to proper examination to see whether the interpretation of the text is the same as the application they are giving you to go home and execute. I'm going to give you three important principles that help you to interpret scriptures. Three. Three. The first one is what we call the principle of simplicity. The second principle is the principle of harmony. Uh, Let me give you a brief on each of them, and then I'll explain. Now, principle of simplicity means that Every word in the, in the scripture is not coded. The word is sit down. It means sit down. Simplicity means God spoke clearly and plainly to his children so that they can be saved and they can be blessed. So the Bible is not a coded message. It is not, it's not a mystical book that you need to have spe- some special codes to explain Every believer should be able to read the Bible and understand. Amen. All right. That is what it means. It means that if you can understand the Bible well, it begins with your knowledge of simple English. Today I'm going to teach you some scriptures that have been bastardized because the English words (laughs) alone has dribbled people. So your knowledge of the English language, or if, not, if you are not reading English language, whichever language you are reading, if it tree or ever, or any language you are reading, you must have good knowledge of that language. So if you read a particular statement in the scripture, you don't understand it very well, talk to somebody else who knows English more than you. Or take the words go to the dictionary, and try to understand simple. What does it mean? So I put the words like grammar, syntax, semantics. These are not difficult things. This is just English language. Semantics means meanings of the words that form statements in English. Syntax means the way words are structured to form sentences. Proper structuring of words. And so you need to understand that when you are reading the Bible, you need to take your time to understand what is he saying. You know, there are some people, they they think that the more mysterious you sound when you are preaching the Bible, the more knowledgeable you are. (laughs) So people always want to sound mysterious. But the Bible is... God's book to his children for them to understand so that they can be saved and they can be blessed. However, under this principle, occasionally we come across figurative expressions. Occasionally. I'll, I'll show you examples very soon. So figurative expressions means that either the person is, is making a parable or he's making a statement that is not literal. That is easy to understand. Amen. Now, under this also, you need to consider what we call the form of literature. What kind of writing are you reading? The Bible has different forms of literature. Part of the Bible is pure historical records. When you read the book of Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicle, you are reading historical accounts that have been verified to be accurate. Amen. The form of literature. Everybody say form of literature. So when you read the when you read the psalm, the psalm is not a historical account. Amen. The psalms, the proverbs, um, Ecclesiastes, uh, Song of Solomon, is not a historical account. It's not a narrative. It's not a prophetic book. They are how we call the poetic books. So you hear a book in the psalm saying that the mountains are clapping. You know, it doesn't mean that there is a mountain somewhere that has spiritual hands that they can clap. When you read poetry, those of you who have read poetry before you understand, when people write poetic um, literature, they they always go beyond the literal. Yeah. Then we have the prophetic books, then we have the gospels, then we have the epistles. So the form of literature will help you. Amen. Okay. God spoke his word plain enough to our understanding. God's purpose for the scripture is to speak clearly to ordinary people, but not to confuse them. Amen. Every reader of the scripture must interpret according to its literal meaning. All interpreted therefore must be very knowledgeable in the usage of grammar, syntax, semantics, in English language. I've explained that. However, the interpreter must also consider the form of literature, whether it's narrative, whether it's historical, whether it's prophetic, whether it's poetic, whether it's an epistle or the Gospels. It helps you to properly give meaning to the text. Let me give you an example in the Scriptures. Okay, before I even give you the example, the Bible said in 2 Timothy 3.15, look at 2 Timothy 3.15. He said, and that from a childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith. You know, this Bible is saying that even children can read the Bible and understand. <laughs> Hello? So buy Bibles for your children long before you buy them phones. Can somebody say amen to that? Yeah. yeah. Paul was telling Timothy that from a childhood you've known the holy scriptures. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so there is a lot you can understand by just reading and taking your time to understand the simple literal meaning. Having good grasp of the English language, you can be able to understand. Amen. Amen. (laughs) So let's look at John chapter chapter 7. Let's go to verse 37. Now, everybody read this for me. Ready, go. Verse 38. Amen. So verse 37 says that something happened. What day did the thing happen? On the last day. Why? Because the Bible says so. So when when the Bible said on the last day, it means what? On the last day. You don't need to mystify the name. Oh, the last day, it means that you know, it's something mysterious that you have, no, 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 last day means that there was a feast, maybe the feast was for seven days, so the last day of the feast Jesus did what? He stood, and then he did what? He shouted the word cried to me, he shouted <laughs> Amen <laughs> Amen Alright, simple English, isn't it? But what did he say? What did he say? Look at what he said. If anyone tests, let him come to me and what? Drink. Question is, was Jesus actually going to give them water? That is it. Eh? Who can tell me whether Jesus was going to give them water or not? You can't just get up and give it an answer. By yourself, because you are not the one who wrote the Bible. (laughs) Are you with me? Yeah. To get an answer to any question in the scripture, you have to go to only one place. Where is that? Same Bible. All right? So the next verse says that he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now, is Jesus going to give them water? We don't know. But another complicated issue is coming. Jesus said, out of their heart, reverse, not one river, reverse, of living water will be flowing. So does it mean that your heart, you know, rivers are going to be flowing in your heart? Or Jesus was speaking figurative language? Look at the next verse. But this he spoke, Concerning what? The spirit. Whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So, when Jesus said, come and drink, what was he really talking about? What was he talking about? Water? What? How did you know? The same scripture, isn't it? Isn't it? So, it makes the Bible easy to interpret. Because you will find the answer to any um, question marks in the same text, in the same scripture. Amen. So when Jesus said, out of your heart will flow rivers of living water, he was talking about the Holy Spirit living in you and producing life-giving effects. Because that is what a river does. We will come back to this text when we get to the next principle. Amen. So can we go to the next one? Principle of Harmony. Everybody say Harmony. Harmony means agreement. Now, Principle of Harmony says that the Bible was written by 40 different authors. You remember? In the space of how many years? 1,600 years. But all these 40 people were inspired by one person who is the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 That is why the whole Bible has only one message. So what it means is that if the Holy Spirit is the one who inspired all the 40 people to write, then every scripture, every text in the scripture must agree with every other text in the scripture. Principle of harmony means that You cannot find the meaning to any text outside of the Bible. If you want to find the meaning to any text, you must go to where? The same Bible. Amen. It simply says, Scripture must interpret Scripture. Hallelujah. Yeah. You see, even in law, you know, the most powerful book In our nation, is what? Who can tell me? The Constitution. That is the highest authority, all right? Yeah, and so, you know, there is a court devoted to interpreting what the Constitution says. Do you know that? We call them Supreme Court judges, full time job. Now, their work is that if there is any controversy over any action, within the nation, carried out by anybody, including government, including the president, it can be challenged in the Supreme Court. And the the work in the Supreme Court is very simple. To find out what did the Constitution actually mean by what was written. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And the work of the Supreme Court is not to go and find out the meaning from outside the Constitution. You cannot do that. You cannot go and take a law of another nation and come and say that that is what is done there. No. If you are finding meaning to the constitution, you have to look into it. Praise the Lord. So if you want to find a meaning to any text of scripture, you have to look at where? The scriptures. Amen. Yeah. All right. Isaiah 28 verse 9. Uh, let's read one some scripture. Let's read some scripture. Isaiah 28 verse 9. Now, everybody look at this. He said, Whom will he teach knowledge? Whom will God teach knowledge? And whom will he make to understand the message? In other words, the message of scripture. Those just win from the milk, in other words, infants, those just drawn from the breast, verse 10. For precept must be upon precept. Precept Upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. <laughs> Hallelujah! I like Isaiah. Verse eleven. We've not. We are not done. He said, "For with stammering lips and another tongue he will speak to these people." Stammering lips, and another tongue he will speak to these people. Verse twelve. To whom he said, This is the rest which you may cause the weary to rest, and this is the refreshing, yet they will not hear. So the Bible is talking about people who have despised the word of God, who are not making the word of God a standard for their lives. Amen? Amen? People who are misinterpreting scriptures. People who don't take their time to learn how to interpret scriptures. You know, you meet people who tell you that. You see, this ministry work is a spiritual thing. You don't need to go to any school. Oh, yeah. You meet people like that. They tell you that all oh, these pastors going to school, 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 school. They are confused. They don't, they don't have any power. Hallelujah. Yeah. They say, once you have the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost can give you any meaning to anything. But what such people after a while, they are messing people's lives up plenty. Amen. Messing people's up. Multitudes of people. And this is what God is talking about. Interpreting scripture is not for babies. It's for matured people. Mature Maturity. Very important. And I believe you are matured enough to handle this one. Say amen to that. Yeah. That's why I love to teach the word of God. Yeah. Because prophecy tells you where you are going. Teaching tells you how to get there. How to get there. Many of you know where you are going. The problem is... How to get there? That's why I'm here. Amen. 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 You go to a church where the Bible is taught properly, you see more prosperous people than a church where prophecy is done. I can challenge this everywhere. Go to church where people receive prophecies. Some people are tired of the prophecy. People have collected prophecies, nothing to show for it. But go to a place where they are teaching the Bible. Lives are changing. May your life go forward yeah. may you prosper and see increase yeah. god has a great plan for your life yeah. you will not be a failure yeah. you will not be a disappointment yeah. you will not be a loser yeah. in jesus name yeah. if you believe you give the lord a big clap offering He said, to whom he said this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest and this is the refreshing yet they will not hear verse 13. but the word of the lord was to them Precept upon precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they may go and fall backward and be broken and snared and caught. That is what happens to people who refuse to understand that the Bible requires a lot of diligent study. If you're reading a scripture on faith and you come across as something you don't understand, Don't give it your own meaning. Go to another scripture in the same Bible that talks about faith. Let me say it again. If you are studying on prayer and you come across a statement that Jesus made on prayer that you don't understand, go to another scripture that also talks about prayer. That is what the Bible said, precept upon precept. You see, gather all the scriptures that talk about prayer and begin to study it line upon line. You will get to understand the thing. But don't take a statement Jesus made on faith and come and combine it with a statement Jesus made on prayer. You see, you are beginning to confuse things. You are not doing it line upon line. Don't take a statement Jesus made on um, marriage and come and apply it to a statement Jesus made on finances. It has to be the same subject, different scriptures from the whole Bible. They will bring you to the same destination they will give you proper, accurate meaning. Amen. So the meaning of a text can only be attained in the scripture, not outside the scripture. Not outside. To determine the meaning of a text in scripture, compare the passage with all other passages in scripture that address the same subject in similar ways. So I've explained that. So if it is faith, all the texts on on faith, you bring them together. Let the other passages explain what God means in that passage. Another important thing is that if you are doing Bible interpretation, pay particular attention to what Jesus said about that subject. And then, after Jesus, pay particular attention to what the apostles said on that subject. They say, why do you say that? Give me Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20. Uh, let's read from 19. It said. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Say amen to that. Yeah, fellow members of the household of God. When you come born again, how many of you are children of God here? You are a child of God. Let me see. I'm seeing. I'm watching. Okay. I am also a child of God. You know what it means? It means you and I, we are the same family. That's simple, isn't it? That's what Paul is saying. All right? Same household of God. We are no longer strangers or foreigners. Now, if you are a child of God, then you are entitled to hearing God speak to you. And we have said that the principal way God speaks is through what? Through his word. Amen? Verse 20. He said, that household, which we spoke about in verse 19, that household is built. He said, having been built on the foundation of what? The apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being what? Chief cornerstone. So when it comes to the matters of faith, knowledge of God, our understanding of scriptures, the important thing is that Jesus is the cornerstone. Is that okay? That's not difficult to understand. God himself is the word of God. The beginning was the word. The word was God. The word was God. The word was God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, the glory as the only begotten son of the of the Father, full of grace and truth. So, he's the word. So, he's the cornerstone. Amen? Yeah. Then, look at the apostles. Why the apostles? Because they had first-hand experience with him. They were there when he was teaching. Peter said, we have not spoken to unto you fables, but we're eyewitnesses of the glory that manifested through him as he walked through the streets of um, Jerusalem and Judea. We were there. Amen. So look at what Jesus said. Look at what the apostles said. Very critical. Amen. But very importantly, you have to make sure that if you are establishing a theological position, you have at least three different scriptures saying the same thing before we can recognize it as valid. We so say, why are you saying that? Okay, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 1. Let's read it. He said, this will be the third time I am coming to you. This is Apostle Paul talking. He said, by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word shall be heard. established." yeah. So he said, I got a revelation. All right, put it down. Then we need three more scriptures to critique your so-called revelation. To see whether it's sound. If you go to 1 Timothy 1, Paul talks about, taught to Timothy about sound doctrine. Sound doctrine means there can be false doctrines. Not everybody quoting the scripture is speaking the mind of God. And I I want to talk about context. Everybody say context. Context. Everybody say context. Context means the place or the position of the scripture or a text. How a text relates to the rest of the Bible. Context simply means that if somebody comes to you to tell you that Pastor Hubert said you are not a serious guy. Find out where did I say it. Why did I say it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why did I say it? In which environment did I say it? Under what circumstances, were we cracking jokes when I said it, or I said it seriously? You need to be able to situate what somebody is telling you properly. You know, most people have run into problems because somebody come to tell you something, you did not take your time to contextualize what you heard. Let me give you an example. When I'm preaching here in church, I crack a lot of jokes, right? Now, if you take the joke alone, all right, and you take it out there to go and play, you will misinterpret me. Because I crack that joke within a specific situation. You will need to let everybody hear the whole message that I preached and then make sense of the joke. But if people want to be vicious, what they do is they take only that statement because that is what they want to do. And that is what happens to a lot of men of God. And it happens to the Bible too. So, context means that every scripture is related to the whole Bible. So, when you take a scripture, don't take one text, one verse, and then misinterpret it and twist it and take it out of its environment, its context. So, how do we properly determine context? Let me show you. Two dimensions. The first dimension of context is the scriptural context. Amen? The second one is the historical context. We will look at the historical context when we look at the third principle, which is the principle of history. All right? So, scriptural context is is talking about the text itself. The text. Everybody say the text? When I say text, I mean a Bible verse, a particular verse, or other verses, or a particular chapter. It it depends on what you are reading. Like, we just read, If any man is thirsty, let him come and drink. Anyone who believes in me, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. That is a text. Amen. But for us to make meaning to that text like we did right now, we have to do what? Read other verses to get a meaning. And we have to also situate when Jesus said what he said. He said it at the feast. On the last day of the feast. I mean, all that is context. So there's something called a pro pro-text. protext means the text that comes after the one you read. So it's not a big word. It's just a technical thing. Praise the Lord. I want you to know it so that when somebody is trying to bully you, you can tell him that you know the text, you know the pretext, you know the pretext of the text. And you know the environment and you know the background. So you can tell him that this scripture is out of context. Hallelujah. Put your hands together. (laughs) Yeah. We have the text. Everybody say text. Pretext. Pretext. Wider context. When you say wider context, it means that you read You have to read around the text to find out whether you can get the meaning. If you couldn't get it, read the chapter, the whole chapter. If you didn't get the whole chapter, read the whole book. If you go to the book of Revelation, for example, there are some scripture verses. If you don't read the whole of Revelation, you'll never find the meaning. And if you try, you'll be over the bar. So we we have something called a wider context. Let me show you examples of uh, context. The first one I want us to read is Satan himself. Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 4. I want to show you that not everybody who quotes scripture is speaking the mind of God. We are going to read from um, verse 5, Matthew 4, verse 5. Can we read it together so that nobody will say They didn't see it, no. Ready, go. Then the devil took him. He took who? Took Jesus up into uh, the holy city. Set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And said to him. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written. He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Then Jesus said to him, It is written. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Hallelujah. Is it not shocking? So I can tell that there are a lot of devils quoting scriptures. As somebody holding Bible does not mean he's of God. If he's of God, what he's quoting must be properly in context. Look at the devil. The devil was quoting a scripture to Jesus. Do you know that, that statement is in a scripture? Who can tell me where it is? Who can tell me? Qua He said, he shall give his angels charge over you and in their hands they shall bear you up. Where is it? Psalm 91. Yeah. It's in Psalm 91. Satan quoted Psalm 91 to Jesus. Jump! Because it is written. If you jump, But did the Bible say if you jump by yourself, then God will give angels who could protect you? No. Angels are there to protect us. It doesn't mean I should go and stand in the middle of the road and said, I have faith. And I'm standing on the word of God. So an articulator is coming. The Lord will give angels charge. No, no, no. That's what Satan was telling Jesus to do. What was happening there? A scripture was being quoted but it was being quoted out of context. Amen. Amen. So, if you want to do proper justice to that text, what should you do? You should have read the whole chapter. He that dwell in the secret place of Moses. When you start reading from there, you will see that that scripture actually talks about staying in the presence of God. Because the presence of God is the secret place. When you learn how to stay in the presence of God, you enjoy the covering of God, and the protection of God, and the angels of God will protect you, and no harm will befall you. So, Jesus helped the devil... To know that the Bible is not something you can use to do everything you like. So Jesus said to the devil, it is also written. In other words, whatever you claim to be your revelation, I have to subject it to other scriptures to verify whether it's valid. That's what we mean by context. Somebody get it this morning. Put your hands together if you think you have got it. So let's do some exercises. Let's go to the, the popular ones that um, some of you struggle about. Let's go to 1 Timothy 2. Let's read from verse 8. He said, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubt. So when you follow the principle of simplicity, what does this mean? Men should do what? Pray. Isn't it? Everywhere. Mm? Lifting up holy hands, all right? Without what? Anger and unbelief. Is it not simple? Is it not simple? Alright. So let's go on. Verse 9. In like manner also, that women adorn themselves. What's the meaning of the word adorn? That's where the problem starts. You know some people, they don't understand English, but they want to be spiritual. When they come across a vocabulary that is not familiar, they mystify it. But the word adorn is, is an English word. What does it mean? See, we have a problem. Huh? To, to beautify. Or simply put, to dress. It means to address or to beautify. So women should do what? Dress themselves or beautify themselves in what? Modest. What is April? Dress. So you see, anybody who does not understand the word adon, understand the word april is already in trouble. I'm not trying to condemn people who are not educated, but that is the problem we have. In modest dressing, with what? More difficult words, isn't it? Propriety. What's the meaning of propriety? Let's let English scholars begin to come out. Huh? Otherwise, we need a dictionary right now. Propriety means what? And sobriety. Yeah. So this is not a mystery. This is grammar. This is English. So get a dictionary. Or get other Bible versions. All right? What this scripture is saying is that Women should dress modestly. Simple. It it means women should look beautiful. Say amen to that. But their beauty should be modest. Not profane. Not dress and expose places and come and be worrying as the men. Dress. Be beautiful but decent. That's the scripture. Amen? With property and and, uh, moderation. Not with braided hair. Or gold or pearls or costly clothing. Verse 10. But which is proper for women professing godliness with what? Good words. All right. Let's go back to verse 9. Some people think I'm running away from that scripture. No, I'm not running away. Now we need to we need to understand it. Now, has anybody found those words for me? The word propriety and moderation. What did you get? Behavior that is accepted are socially and morally correct. In other words, decent, isn't it? The word there is decency. So women should adorn or beautify themselves in modest dressing with decency. Hallelujah. Not with braided hair. Does it mean women should not braid their hair? No. He's trying to say that Your beauty should not come from that. Hallelujah. Or gold or pearls. The word pearls means jewels. Or costly clothing. You see, the beauty has nothing to do with my shoe is Louis Vuitton. All right? $1,000. That is not beauty. Beauty is modesty and decency. Now, does it mean if you have money to buy Louis Vuitton, you should not buy? No. If you have it, buy it. But when you wear it, let modesty still be on display. Don't come to church. Look at the brother who bought his shoe at Cantamantu. And then you look down on him. Because that's where we all started. But we are not there now. Can I have a witness here? Hallelujah. (laughs) That's where we all started. Today I don't go there to buy shoe anymore. So if somebody is going there now, I don't have to look down on him. Amen? So beauty is not whose hair is the most expensive. You know, Brazilian, Peruvian, or Deviants. Don't tell me that you are more beautiful than somebody because you are wearing... Peruvian hair, and your character is nasty, your dressing is provocative, or your breast is on exhibition. (laughs) So this scripture doesn't mean don't wear gold, this scripture doesn't mean don't wear jewels, this scripture doesn't mean don't wear costly, expensive clothing. What it means is that whatever you are wearing, don't let your beauty be only outward. And this scripture was not actually talking even to men. That is context. Who is he talking to? He said, in like manner also, that women. So if you take this scripture and you are preaching it to brother Daniel, you are out of context. Do you you see it now? This scripture is to women. And it's talking about beauty. And that beauty must not only be outward. So that if you are a young man and you want to propose, don't look at the outward alone. Hair. You will be in trouble. Amen. Outward appearance is deceptive. Real beauty is in verse 10. Verse 10. Is that but which is proper for which people? Women professing godliness with good works. Good works. Good character. Good character. Humble women. Intelligent women respectful women, hard-working women, generous women, holy women. Holy women, not fornicating women, not adulterous women. You, if you look nice and you are adulterous, I mean, you are, you are, you are you not know, a beautiful woman. By the Bible, not me. Verse 11. Now, let a woman, uh-huh, this is where it begins to get interesting, isn't it? It let a woman learn in silence With all submission. Verse 12. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. Verse 13. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Verse 15. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. That's the last verse, isn't it? Everybody say amen to that. Now, bring me back to the the, the verse I'm looking for. It said, let the woman learn in silence without submission. Are we okay? The next verse said, but I do not permit a woman to teach. Now, this scripture, what does it mean? Does it mean women should not preach? I I didn't ask you to answer. I'm, I'm just, I'm teaching the Bible. You see, when you read a Bible, don't just answer questions, Bible, just like that. You know? Find out the actual meaning. What was Paul really talking about when he wrote to Timothy? Was he saying women should not teach? So what is this scripture talking about? This is where context comes in. The meaning of the text is within the text. Now how do we get the meaning? What was Paul addressing here? Verse 11 again. Let a woman learn in silence with all submission. Verse 12. And I do not permit a woman to teach or to have authority over a man, but to be in silence. You know, this scripture, somebody can take it to me. Women must not talk. They must shut up. The man must do all the talking. Verse um, 13. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. Now, first question is, Adam and Eve, what was the relationship between them? They were? Husband and wife. So what was Paul talking about? Marriage. This scripture... From verse 8. So verse 8, Paul started talking about men must pray. He was talking about church. Verse 9, women dressing. It has to do with both church and house everywhere they are. Because beauty is not only in church. It's a lifestyle. Amen? Amen? Then he moved from there and came to narrow down on couples, marriage. That is why Paul did not leave us in suspense. He went further to give an illustrative support to clarify who he was talking about. So, Adam and Eve were married couples. Adam was formed first. First means what? He's the leader. That is why, if you want to do proper justice to this, when you go to other scriptures, the Bible said, the husband is the head. The word head there means leader. Just like Paul said, Adam was first friend, then Eve. So, what does this scripture mean? It means that wives, everybody woman, wave at me. The best advice you can ever have is here. It's here. Verse 12. Don't give your husband orders. Number two, don't take the man's place of authority from him. You do that, you will suffer. You will pay for it. Men hate one thing. To be given orders. To be disrespected. Take their place of authority. Do you know what caused the, the fall in the garden? Do you know what caused the fall? That is why Paul brought it as an illustration for all women. This is why Bob Paul brought it. Do you know why the fall of mankind, that we are all suffering the hands of the devil? Because a woman decided to do the work of leadership in the garden. When the serpent came, the serpent is a number one originator of this order. So instead of coming to talk to the man, he came to talk to the woman. Now, what did God do in the garden? God gave the instruction to who? The man. The order. 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 Authority. God gave the instruction to Adam. Satan came and talked to Eve. He breaks the order. Anywhere you see this order, demons are behind it. That is why anywhere you see witchcraft, the first sign is rebellion. Anybody who is rebellious to authority is not under the influence of the Holy Spirit, but the influence of The devil. When Serpent came to talk to Eve, Eve should have said, well, if you want to find out any issue on this, I am not the one God spoke to. God spoke to my husband. Let's go talk to my husband. But you know what Eve did? She took charge. She said, anything you can ask me, I can handle it. That is why the fall came. If you are a married woman, don't usurp your husband's place of authority. Don't despise his place of leadership. You do that, it will, backf- it will blow back in your face. It may be working today. If you are here, your husband takes orders from you all the time. It is temporary. One day, one of these days, you're going to see what will happen to you. Give him suggestions in a very respectful way, in a very decent way. You see, any man will take advice from a woman who respects him. If you prove to your husband that you truly respect him, anything you say, he will do it and i can t- i know men they will never do anything without talking to their wives because they have come to the place of conviction this woman respects me but you may be right because you don't respect him when you say you not do it yeah i know many men they are dri- they are driving the woman said pass here that was the right place so he will not he will not pass there how many men how many men are witness today sir he will not pass there because he you, because you was told he will not pass there. He go and pass somewhere else. We hate to be giving orders. God created us to lead. Amen. God created us to lead. I will end with this one today. God created us to lead. Amen. When you respect the man, huh, you have won his heart. Listen, the way to a man's heart is not through his stomach. That is deception. That is error. This is the truth, I'm telling you. The way to a man's heart is through his stomach. I mean, What what, what can you cook that that we cannot eat in a restaurant? If all you know is how to cook but you are not respectful to your husband, you are in trouble. The way to a man's heart is respect. Try it! If you think I'm lying, go home. Try the next six months. Try the next six months. Show your husband respect. Show him respect. That's all. That's why the Bible said that wives, submit to your own husband. The way submit means respect him. That's all he wants. That's the only medicine that can cure his madness. We we may be mad, but the only cure to our madness, respect us. A man who is truly respected by his wife, only few are foolish to go and commit adultery. But most of them, you will see. You will see. He will tell you that, I need to talk to my wife before. Oh yeah, It will tell you that what you are saying is good but I need to talk to my wife about it. They love their wives. They care about their wives. They are committed to that. They, are, they, they, they will give their last for their wives because of respect. It is the only cure to our madness. Amen. So, what have we done? Trying to interpret the scripture that many, many, many people have taken it and have destroyed women with it. Alright, let's close with this. We've learned about three principles. The first one is what? Principle of simplicity. Principle of harmony. The third one is the principle of history. Have you learned something good today? Put your hands together for the Lord. (laughs) Ephesians 1 verse 18. Uh, Let's read from verse 17. Every believer in this church, this one's prayer, you must pray every day. Amen? Amen? I've been praying this prayer since I became born again. Let's read it together. Ready? Go. Mm Mm-hmm. That's 18. Amen. Pray this scripture. Now, Lord, give me understanding your word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Anytime I take my Bible to read... Give me understanding. I want to understand your word. Give me revelation. Give me insight. Enlighten the eyes of my understanding. Ask him for knowledge and understanding. Give us wisdom and understanding. The spirit of knowledge and understanding. Enlighten the eyes of our understanding in your word. Help us, Lord, not to be ignorant. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. We bless your name. We pray. We give you glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. hope you've been blessed by today's message. You can contact Reverend Hubert on 030-340-7970 or 024-33-11201. Remain blessed.